Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, these past two years have been anything but normal. However, while most of the world was put on pause, farmers never stopped working, and neither did their associations. Along with Ohio Farm Bureau, organizations like the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers Association and Ohio Soybean Association continued to advocate for trade policies that work for Ohio farmers, as well as monitor water quality and biofuel legislation, engage legislators and regulators, and talk with our farmer members. On this Our Ohio Weekly, hear from leaders of Ohio's corn, wheat, and soybean groups. From the Ohio Farm Bureau studio, this is Our Ohio Weekly, highlighting those who grow our food, fiber, and fuel, while examining issues that are important for farmers and their neighbors throughout the Buckeye State. Our Ohio Weekly is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Here's our Ohio Weekly host, Ty Higgins. Just last month, organizations representing Ohio's corn, wheat, and soybean farmers held the 2021 Grain Farmers Symposium. This was a chance for farmers to share how their 2021 growing season fared and what may be on the horizon for their farm's economic outlook and upcoming policies that may impact their operation. We start our conversation this week with Tad Nicholson. He's the executive director of the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers Association. Well, it's a trade association of grain farmers, and uh, you know, it's a, a collection of, uh, of, of grain farmers in the state of Ohio. We advocate on, on behalf of them on issues across the board, water quality, ethanol, trade, transportation, these type of issues that really affect the profitability of, of grain farming. Earlier this month, had a chance to get together with those farmers from across the state for a symposium to recap 2021 and some of the successes or the accomplishments uh, that you saw this year with your organization. Well, you know, first of all, the accomplishment was keeping things going. It was uh, you know, COVID didn't slow us down at all. We kept going in, in the, all the same ways everybody had to. But as a farm organization, you know, DC didn't stop. Uh, there was, you know, they, they they all stayed home, but they, but all the issues that are facing farmers never stopped. And so, as an organization, our commitment is to is to continue to advocate no matter where we're at. And so that's what we did uh, first of all. But we also had some challenges last year. If you remember, we had a, a, a statewide case of vomitoxin that, that plagued our corn. Doesn't happen all the time, but it certainly happened in a wider uh, spectrum last year than it has in a lot of years. And so we really had to roll up our sleeves to really work on this because it seems to be happening a little bit more often in Ohio than it has 15 years ago. So it's what we do. We have to, to focus on things like research with our checkoff programs. We have some policy issues with crop insurance, uh, you know, and some of the issues that we had around there. And then we have this whole issue of testing. Different tests is at, at the uh, elevator where we get rejected versus uh, a crop insurance claim that comes out in Coors of Bend. There's very different tests come, coming on this. So all of these issues were right in front of us last year and we were able to, to even in a remote sense, uh, take, take these, these uh, head on. Also within the state of Ohio, some major developments for ethanol with House Bill 165. Tell us about that. Yeah, certainly we always are advocating for ethanol and really it's not build more ethanol plants. We're trying to pull ethanol through the system to the consumers. We want to increase consumption. One of the great things that we've had happen in the state of Ohio and a great win this year, uh, just passed out of the uh, house, uh, the, the state house, uh, was a tax credit for a retailer to put in a pump uh, that would dispense higher blends of ethanol than E10. So anything E15 uh, all the way up to E85, there's a tax credit going to them and that's that incentive that really is helping uh, more retailers make that offer throughout the state. 
on a national level, we hear about the renewable fuel standard quite a bit. Uh, ethanol and renewable, renewable fuels, unfortunately, over the last year and a half, been kind of a political football. What did we see in 2021, and what do you expect for the year to come? Yeah, certainly, you know, it, it, you know what, what once was a tailwind, then becomes a headwind on, on ethanol policies. There's no doubt the uh, congressional, uh, the, the renewable fuel standard that was passed back in 2007 has a congressional mandate that sort of staged up in 2022 is when the, that caps off. It's done It's done with its march. It's done what it's going to do. So now we're focused on whatever the next phase is. And that's called the Next Generation Fuels Act. And it's a way that we work with the, it's not a mandate. It's a, It's something working with the autos. It helps to, it, it's basically saying we're going to commit to making higher octane fuel in this country. The automakers are going to commit to making higher octane engines. And as a result, we are going to be at a low, lower carbon uh, emissions in our in our motor fuel system and that's the goal of this it's what the autos want it's what the government wants and we can supply that octane with higher blends of ethanol so it's very exciting very exciting right now a lot of what you do is consumer outreach and making sure there's demand for the corn your growers grow here in the Buckeye State you're also doing a lot on the farmers behalf especially with a really important topic for Ohio in water quality we saw H2 Ohio a year and a half ago Governor DeWine signed into the law we're starting to see that program ramp up through more and more counties within Northwest Ohio and northern Ohio. What are you telling your growers about H2 Ohio uh, as we move to expanding it even further across the state? I think the biggest thing to tell farmers is uh, that it is so important that we make H2 Ohio a success. It has to it has to work, and, and it is. We have a huge acceptance to this. There's a lot of, of uh, new acres of practices going in. The results, what we're trying to do now is to measure those results, because if we don't measure them, somebody's going to measure them for us, and, and we want to make sure that those are done in a, in a proper way. So right now, we're focused on a couple of things. H2 Ohio, long-term funding is what's in question. We have a biennium budget in Ohio, and that's what we have funding for every two years. Well, we can't fix a water quality issue like Lake Erie in a matter of two-year cycles. We need a long-term commitment by uh, point sources and non-point sources, farmers in, in particular, what we're, what we're concerned with. And that means we need to have some sort of a 10-year plan here. We need to have some certainty for 10 years so we can really make an impact. When we're, when we're looking back after 10 years, we better be able to show we made some serious progress towards uh, a reduction in what's lost on our fields and also what the, what the river gauges are and also what, that, what the size of that bloom is. H2 Ohio is a very, very important part, and making that a success is a primary importance. That's very long term, but what are your hopes and goals for 2022? Well, you know, this is a, again, not to go back to some of these uh, issues, but we have a we have a job to do on ethanol policy. As I mentioned, uh, our the renewable fuel standard it's done what it's going to do, and it sort of caps off in 22. That's not very far from now. And so we need to, our, our short-term visions are, how do we push these things through? And, and really in, in DC, the political climate is not something that you can do anything fast. And so when we are talking to our members, we're just really talking, talking through the immediacy of what we have to do uh, on ethanol policy. Trade policy, very similar, you know, and, and the uh, uncertainty around, around that, uh, really trying to push through to, to get the administration very focused on trade policy. We haven't been successful in that so far, but certainly that is going to be in our next 12 months, we're going to be really focused on trade. So how can listeners find out more about your organization and getting involved? Well, best way is to come to our website. Uh, I, I would love to just give everyone my cell phone number. We can talk <laughs> it through themselves. The web, website's going to be the most efficient, and that's ohiocornandwheat.org. From Ohio Corn and Wheat's Tad Nicholson to the Executive Director of the Ohio Soybean Association, here's Kirk Merritt and his thoughts about 2021 for his members. We had a great year in, in, uh, soy, in the soybean world. I think 
One, one highlight I would make is that we really mobilized farmers. Farmers responded to our call to action around uh, federal spending and state taxes and stepped up basis. And for now, we've, we've fought that back. I think, I think that's a big highlight. Uh, that was fairly well uh, down the tracks in D.C. We stopped it along with others, uh, but it was, it was a good effort. I think another success uh, so far has been around uh, water quality and being able to hold together our, our coalition of not just ag, but conservation, environmental groups, state and federal government, uh, and, and really highlight the fact that farmers are doing the right thing. They're good environmental stewards. We don't need more regulation. What we need is time to allow what, allow what we're doing now to work. The best thing for the environment is give the farmers the freedom to operate, to do what they're doing that's good for their farm, keep the, keep the nutrient on the land as they see fit on their, own, on their own farm. One of the things you're also working on is making that next generation of farmer available for Ohio agriculture. Talk about House Bill 95 and some of the things you're watching there. Yeah, we, we strongly support House Bill 95. It would provide a tax credit to young and beginning farmers who are getting into the business uh, whether, whether they're doing a family-to-family -family deal or, or not, we think it's, it's really important to provide that support to the next generation of farmers. We want to keep farming, uh, continue to be the number one industry in Ohio, and an important part of that is enabling the next generation to be able to do it. That bill has passed the House, the State House. It's now in the Senate, so we're going to be pushing really hard. We'll, we'll, we'll have a uh, call to action out to our members before too long as that hits the House floor, trying to get that over the finish line. One of the buzzwords of 2021 was climate, and it has been a buzzword for agriculture for some time, but we're starting to see it in Washington, D.C., pick up a lot of steam, especially when it comes to carbon credits, uh, carbon sequestration, and getting paid for that on the farm. Uh, what are you hearing out there as we start to hear more about these markets developing, and, and what's the farmer interest on that front? We think there could be tremendous opportunities in that area for farmers. Farmers are already doing things and can do, uh, can do things to sequester carbon and provide that sort of uh, benefit to the, to, the, to the climate cause. However, it's kind of a wild west out, right, out there right now in, in that there are a bunch of programs out there, all well-meaning, all well intended, but we're, we're wondering if it would make sense that there be some guardrails on that, that there be some, uh, you know, be some parameters around that to benefit farmers. Uh, it's probably a good idea for farmers to look really hard, ask a lot of questions. Uh, our, our website has, a, has, has a, a guide around carbon programs. There are other, other resources out there as well. Ask a lot of questions. Because it's, I think there's a, a, a fairly high possibility that uh, down the road, carbon sequestration will have a higher value than it does now. So we think it has great potential. There's a lot of attention on it. Uh, just we, 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 need to, we need to approach it cautiously and, and uh, you know, intelligently. We had a record soybean harvest here in 2021 across Ohio, and one of the things your organization takes great pride in is finding a market for those soybeans. Talk about some of the things in general, not just over the past year, but what Ohio Soy does to find those markets for your farmers. Yeah, 
you know, exports are extremely important for Ohio soybean farmers. More than half of our crop ends up outside the country. So uh, it, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a big factor for profitability and, and viability long term. We, on, a, on the, the association side of our, uh, of our house, we, we advocate all day, every day for, for opportunities for farmers to, to benefit from free trade. So you look at things like the USMCA agreement, that is bringing tremendous benefit for Ohio farmers, not just soybean farmers, livestock, corn uh, as well. Uh, we also are, are benefiting from exports to China. You know, we had a rough patch with China. That's, that's, uh, China has come back into the market for, for U.S. soybeans. That has been a tremendous benefit in, in 21. We're also looking at other markets, you know, uh, markets that uh, were not even on the radar screen five, ten years ago are beginning to grow. Egypt, Bangladesh, uh, you know, some of the Asian countries are really great opportunities for, for our farmers. So we're, we're really, I think we're, we're bullish on exports continuing to be a significant part of the, the profitability equation for farmers. You mentioned the website for the carbon market information. Also wanted to get that website out for people that want to learn more about your organization and get involved. Where can, where can they yes. find it? Yes. Go to soyohio.org. Soyohio.org. Or uh, call, call our office. We're, we're uh, happy to answer questions and provide information. Kirk Merritt, Executive Director of the Ohio Soybean Association, and Tad Nicholson earlier this hour. He leads Ohio's Corn and Wheat Growers Association. There's a lot happening in Washington, D.C. as we start the new year as far as agriculture is concerned. We'll talk about what some of this legislation means for farmers across Ohio and across the country from Policy Solutions. That's a watchdog for agriculture groups to figure out what legislation might mean for farmers, their operation, and their bottom line. They join us after this on Our Ohio Weekly. Today, farmers and small businesses with employees continue to search for health coverage options. Ohio Farm Bureau Health Benefits Plan has teamed up with Anthem to offer businesses with 1 to 50 employees an opportunity to participate in a large, self-funded pool backed by Anthem. This health benefits plan offers competitive rates through a self-funded arrangement, fixed and predictable monthly payments, and a variety of plan designs, including deductible with coinsurance and high deductible plans. The OFB Health Benefits Plan uses Anthem's healthcare provider network, one of the largest provider networks in the state. Your benefits package can affect employee satisfaction. With the Ohio Farm Bureau Health Benefits Plan, you get access to Anthem's industry-leading specialty plans, vision, life, disability, and more, in addition to medical plans. Plus, they're integrated for even more value. Visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org for eligibility details and to receive your highly competitive quote today. That's OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org, a self-funded medical plan for Ohio Farm Bureau members. Brad, let me introduce you to one of the most important people in Peytonville. Is she the mayor? No, insurance agent. She must be really good. The best. That's why she chooses Nationwide to help protect all the families, businesses, and dreams in Peytonville. People really count on her. Seems like she's a local celebrity. She's a local legend. Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company and Affiliates, Columbus, Ohio. Farm Bureau Bank has built its entire existence around the lifestyle and needs of farmers. They're here to help grow traditions, give back to agricultural communities, and offer financial convenience for your unique way of life. Visit farmbureau.bank 
or call one of their personal bankers today, 800-492-3276 to learn more. That's farmbureau.bank or 800-492-3276. From sunup to sundown, Farm Bureau Bank is committed to serving you. Case IH is a proud supporter of Ohio Farm Bureau. And thanks to a membership benefits partnership, Ohio Farm Bureau members receive a discount of up to $500 on every qualifying Case IH tractor and piece of equipment you purchase. This discount may be used with other promotions, rebates, or offers. So join Ohio Farm Bureau and pocket up to $500 in savings. Get your discount at OFBF.org. That's OFBF.org. Today, it might seem that all news headlines impact you directly. How will rural Ohio recover from a global pandemic? A county eminent domain case heads to the Supreme Court. Millions are still in need of reliable internet access. The nation's food supply chain is being challenged. For over 100 years, Ohio Farm Bureau has advocated for a strong Ohio food and farm community. And will continue to engage on issues important to you because your growth is our future. Farm proud and farm strong by becoming an Ohio Farm Bureau member today by visiting OhioFarmBureau.org. You're listening to Our Ohio Weekly. I'm Ty Higgins. This week, taking a look back at the 2021 Grain Farmers Symposium held just a few weeks ago in central Ohio. One of the guests keeps an eye on what's happening legislatively speaking in Washington, D.C. that could have a major impact on agriculture and farmers across Ohio and the country. His name is Jay Truitt. He's the CEO and owner of Policy Solutions. We're a, a group that advises people on how to actually uh, uh, evaluate public policy, um, but also uh, how they internally can actually ramp up their efforts to impact public policy. Awfully a busy man here as of late as mm-hmm. we talk about the Build Back Better plan uh, out of the Biden administration. It comes with some new tax ideas. Tell us what's coming out of, of uh, some of these ideas we're hearing inside the Beltway. So the old ideas were bad. The new ideas are worse. And the problem with the new ideas is that they like become things that morph into something completely new. The, my, my favorite to just talk through with people is the idea of doing a wealth tax. And we're going to determine that you should be audited based on the amount of assets that you have. Well, how do we know what the assets that you have unless we first have audited you? So we're going to audit you to determine if we're going to audit you. We're going to hire something like 80,000 people uh, inside the IRS are going to do nothing but mandated audits. Well, what happens when they get done with the first round of people? I mean, we know they're not going to sit around and do nothing. And I think it's one of those things. uh, I think there's some constitutional issues, right, that that come up about privacy and warrants for information, et cetera. Uh, But also the whole concept that we're going to uh, we're going to somehow or another think it's okay for a government agency to look inside your bank account and try to make assumptions about where the money came from and where it's going to and, and whether or not that's nefarious or not, just purely based on the volume of money that may come in and out, seems pretty crazy to me. And I, I mean, that's really the biggest one that I see that I have big concerns with. But uh, there's a number of things inside the, the House passed version of this uh, Build Back plan that uh, seemed to be a nightmare. Over the past year, we've talked a lot about elimination of stepped-up basis mm-hmm. and capital gains, estate taxes. Seem to have a couple of victories in that space, but there's still a little bit of work to do. Yeah, it got pulled out of the House version at the last minute, right? And so uh, I think everybody looks at it and goes like, whoo, we dodged a bullet. Well, I think they just handed that over to the Senate, knowing that that real debate was going to take place in the Senate anyway. And so uh, what we instead, what we got left with is a bunch of really bad 
new ideas for markers uh, that are going to hold the place of stuff that we know is a bad idea. Repealing step up in base is one of those things that just crushes agriculture and most small business in America. Uh, and I'm even surprised that we even are discussing it, right? It's just kind of silly. Um, changing the estate tax to the extent that it begins to impact most family farming operations, especially in areas where you have uh, urban and rural competition for land values. It's not about the profitability of the, the land, but really just what does the tax man think the land is worth, not what is it really worth. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to fight that battle again. Uh, Mr. Wyden over in the Senate has promised that we're going to fight the battle, and we will. We all remember as kids learning about how a bill's created in, in yeah. Washington, D.C., but that process has changed quite a bit uh, over the last year and a half. Yeah, you know, we, well, and really it goes back maybe 10 years or so that we started just following a different process. But today, uh, uh, we just kind of write pieces of legislation and they somehow magically end up on the floor. You know, they go to the Rules Committee and get done, and then a different bill comes out of the Rules Committee than even what went in. Um, we're, we, we, just, we just completed the process in a house where a bill that includes a whole bunch of tax provisions got written in the budget committee, not the Ways and Means Committee where it should have been, got written, comes from the budget committee and, and gets a whole bunch of social spending programs that would have been from a different committee as well, goes to the floor, and when it comes to the floor, it's a completely different bill even than what they sent initially. And so, you know, um, it's more of the same. Um, that we've seen over the last couple of years, especially it's just gone to spades. But, um, but the truth of the matter is, you know, we should expect it by now. Uh, my message to people across the board is don't think that you want a victory because th this game's not over, right? And um, Mr. Schumer is pretty good at what he does as well. And Nancy Pelosi will get a, uh, another shot at this as well. Uh, Mitch McConnell, pretty good at what he does. We're going to see some champions kind of square off on – on uh, what our tax policy looks like in the future. But there's a lot of other stuff going on as well. And, uh, and if you're not careful, we get traded away. We've seen the stack of papers that this bill comes with, thousands of pages of, yeah. uh, of legislation. What's in it for agriculture as you parcel through it? So there, there are some good things in here, right? We see some extensions on biofuels and, and uh, the incentives that have been put together. Um, those are positives, right? There are good things that are included in the package. The rest of it is basically a big social spending package uh, on education and, and, uh, and pre-K and, and, and all those sorts of things. Uh, uh, child tax credits becoming more permanent, uh, which seems like a uh, uh, essentially just kind of a bad idea for another mandatory spending program that we we wonder what happened you know what were we doing when we thought through that it doesn't mean that it can't work and benefit people that's that's a different question that's a different discussion um, but does it need to be the federal government that's doing it is the question what's your forecast and what's your thoughts on the future well I think we have about uh, so I think we're gonna see a whole bunch of iterations of this come along in the next couple of months um, at least through somewhere in mid-January uh, we'll probably see these votes come back and back and back. More importantly, I don't think, based on history, that we're going to get a chance to go through the normal committee process and see it develop, you know, in the Senate. We're just going to see a bill pop out, go to the floor, get passed or not pass, get amended uh, or and not pass or pass, and, and then we have it. And everybody's going to wonder, well, where the heck did that come from? Well, it's out there. Uh, you just got to call uh, members of Congress and make sure that you're engaged in this process enough um, that, that you're telling them what they need to do and not do. And I think that's where 
Um, the groups that are interested in, in rural America and trying to figure out how to protect what rural America looks like today, uh, all of those groups had better, better step it up or they'll, uh, no pun intended, they're going to lose step up at some point in the future and we're going to uh, we're going to see a bigger tax bill, and you'll probably see the IRS a lot more often than you want to. As always, a lot to keep an eye on for agriculture in Washington, D.C., and that's the job of Jay Truitt, the principal and CEO of Policy Solutions. Our Ohio Weekly continues after this. This is Our Ohio Weekly. Welcome back. I'm Ty Higgins. On this week's edition of To the Beat of Agriculture, we'll hear from a retired physician who found a passion for soil conservation. Hear how his journey led him to winning the Cooperator of the Year Award and an additional more recent conservation award from the Ohio Department of Agriculture. My name is Jim Lenny, Hillsboro, Ohio. The name of our farm is White Clover Farm. I purchased this farm in 2005. It's a 300-acre, 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef operation. The standpoint that I came from is not from a farming background. I'm a retired physician. I practiced gastroenterology for 35 years, but I got very, very interested in soils. I had done a master gardening class, and when we were in the section on soils, I just got fascinated with that. And then as I you know, educated myself with that, I realized that many of the soils in the United States are somewhat degraded. It lost quite a bit of their organic matter. And, and so I really purchased this farm from the standpoint of improving the soils. I, I worked with the uh, Natural Resources and Conservation Service. They said, you know, your whole farm is classified as highly erodible because of the uh, silt loam type soils and the 6 to 12 percent slopes. So they said, you know, theoretically this farm should never be tilled. So I went from there and we, you know, replaced the entire farm that was in row crops to permanent grasslands. And that's when I got into the uh, cattle business. I developed a business where I direct market my beef. And now I have a very successful 100% um, grass-fed, grass-finished uh, market where I sell by the quarter half and whole cow. I've been able to sell out uh, every year for the last 10 years. All our meat is sold locally within 100-mile radius for the farm. So I've developed a, a very loyal clientele. When you buy that meat and it's a little more expensive, well, you're getting a lot of other benefits from it because you're, that's where you live. <laughs> They're in your backyard. The more farms and more land in your watershed that's farmed regeneratively, you're going to improve your quality of life. As a young farmer, other than getting a hold of the land, you can do this grass farming with very, very little capital because we're very, very low input. I have no inputs. I, I've never bought any fertilizer. We use no herbicides, no pesticides. You know, you could come in as a, a new farmer and make a good living. You have to direct market, though. You, you know, you can't sell wholesale. You can't sell at the stockyard. We do what's called rotational grazing. We got the whole farm divided up in these little two to three acre paddocks. And in doing that, We've, uh, we've been able to increase our soil organic matter from 1.5% when I bought the farm to 5% today. Now our soils can hold so much water that we don't get any runoff or leaching. 
we were the uh, cooperator of the year uh, a couple of years ago with our local stormwater conservation district. Pam Bushelman, who is with our local stormwater conservation district, she's in the NRCS office, she's the one that nominated us. I almost forgotten about that until I got that call. Adam Sharp was there at the, at the presentation uh, at the Farm Sciences Review, and they were just all just great. You know, this has been my passion, so to kind of get recognized for that is really, really special. Our greatest challenge currently, and I haven't been able to overcome it, is processing. There used to be processors in just about every county, and then there was this tremendous centralization, and now, you know, the four big processors, they process 90% of the meat in the entire United States. And so now we don't have any processors, and our processor is booked out two years. That is the huge bottleneck. To me, it seems like us producers need to get together, basically, and form a co-op where we co-own a processing plant. Well, my hopes of the future would be to have one of my children carry this on, but that's not going to happen. I have... Two daughters, uh, one's uh, currently in medical school, the other one's working in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, when they come out to the farm, they come out here in shorts and flip-flops. The next best thing I could do is I, I, I have a, uh, through the Ohio Department of Agriculture in uh, Cardinal Land Trust, I have an agricultural easement on the entire farm. So I at least know it will continue on and not be developed. But that's the best I could do. <laughs> And I'm also trying to promote this sort of farming throughout the county. And, and it, it's been very fortunate this year because I sold out before we even started processing. I had two or 300 calls that people wanting to buy beef and I was sold out. But I've been able to be in touch with other farms in the area that are doing 100% grass-fed, grass-finished. And all of them have had their best year ever from the referrals that I've referred to them. So it's been just wonderful to be able to help out these other farms that are doing the same thing I am. So that's been great. And then the processing plant. I really, really, really would like to be part of getting a processing plant uh, underway and continue to work on that on a regular basis. Congrats to Jim on his multiple conservation awards. It's great to see someone's dedicated efforts pay off in several ways. This segment was produced by Wessler Media. Hear their latest podcast, Profiles. From Cedar Point to the Zanesville Animal Escape, Ohio is home to thrilling and terrifying stories. That's Profiles, P-R-O-H, Files. Download Profiles now wherever you get podcasts. Back after this on Our Ohio Weekly. Fran, let me introduce you to one of the most important people in Peytonville. Is she the mayor? No, insurance agent. She must be really good. The best. That's why she chooses Nationwide to help protect all the families, businesses, and dreams in Peytonville. People really count on her. Seems like she's a local celebrity. She's a local legend. Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company and Affiliates, Columbus, Ohio. Show your Ohio Farm Bureau pride with a new t-shirt, hat, or hoodie. Available now at ofbf.org shop. The new Farm Bureau logo is now featured on a full line of clothing for men, women, kids, and babies. You can even add the Farm Bureau mark on water bottles, mugs, cell phone cases, and more. All from one spot. OFBF.org shop. A bandana for the dog, a pillow for the couch, or an apron for the grill master. 
OFBF.org slash shop. That's OFBF.org slash shop. Your projects are a big deal, so use equipment that can get the job done. CAT equipment sets the standard for the industry. The CAT product line includes more than 300 machines to handle a wide variety of duties. Ohio Farm Bureau members can save up to $5,000 when buying or leasing qualifying CAT equipment, plus a $250 credit on select work tool attachments. Learn more by visiting OFBF.org savings and click on the Caterpillar logo. Limitations and restrictions apply. No matter where your travels take you, Ohio Farm Bureau membership benefits will follow. Before you check in, check out the wide variety of options Farm Bureau members have when it comes to hotel discounts. From Red Roof Inn to over 30 iconic brands offered through Choice and Wyndham, you'll be able to find the comfort level that's right for you. To learn more on how to save on your lodging needs, visit OFBF.org savings. Another valuable member benefit exclusive to Ohio Farm Bureau members. Welcome back to Our Ohio Weekly. I'm Ty Higgins. At Farm Bureau, we're hearing that some people have had input contracts canceled or changed due to something called force majeure. What is it and what does it do? Joining us is Leah Curtis. She's policy counsel with Ohio Farm Bureau. Force majeure, what is it? Well, it's a fancy legal term and we like to be fancy and use like Latin words, you know. But what it is is a contract provision, and it usually is used to excuse, excuse one or both parties from their obligations in the contract because of some sort of act of God or natural disaster or unforeseeable circumstance. Um, you know, it could be things like labor strikes, war, um, uh, some sort of major natural disaster or fire, that kind of thing. What is generally not is economic conditions. So typically, force majeure can't be used because markets changed or prices went up um, because those are kind of generally seen as being foreseeable. I mean, it's always a chance, right, that prices are going to change or the economy is going to change. But it's more those unforeseen events that force majeure is usually applied to. There is a caveat in the language. Yes. So the caveat, as with all contracts, is that the language controls. And oftentimes, you can write whatever you want into a contract as long as it doesn't violate the law or public policy. So the person writing the contract might be able to better define force majeure to include different types of things that may even be economic conditions. It may be supply issues. But, you know, usually we don't see that. Usually the term is more related to those acts of God or natural disasters. However, it's always possible, and so that's why it's important always, number one, read your contracts. Don't sign them without reading them, please, please. Um, And make sure you understand what is in that term when you sign the contract. Force majeure contract provisions may also have notification requirements as well. Yeah, so again, this is the choice of the drafter, but usually those uh, provisions will have some sort of notification where whoever's invoking the clause, whoever's saying, look, I can't comply, I can't do this, it's not possible – They have to let the other party know. And they usually, they may have some obligations to try to mitigate that problem or they may have some uh, specific circumstances of what they're going to do if they can't meet those obligations. So what can you do if a vendor notifies you that they're invoking force majeure? Well, first I would always say make sure, again, that you've read that contract, you understand the language that's there. If you're in a dispute, you should consider contacting an attorney. And I know people don't like to hear that, but... This is a situation where that attorney can look at that case, they can look at that contract and say, is this a valid use of force majeure or not? And if it's not, then you may have to, you know, get into some sort of litigation, but it might not go that way. It might just be a letter. It might just be negotiations between you and the company. But you're not going to get to that place if you don't work with an attorney to really help you. 
So ultimately, if you are at odds, it's going to be a dispute that may have to go to court and get resolved, and the court will interpret what is or is not within that force majeure contract clause. I know you can't talk about individual cases directly or maybe phone calls you've gotten, but can you give us an example of what you're hearing out there and how this might be impacting farmers? So I would say right now it's a rumble. It's not, there's not a lot of specific situations, but we're hearing, you know, oh, I heard this or I heard that. Um, I think a lot of it right now, of course, as with everything, relates to the supply chain, right? We're seeing vast increases in prices for those wholesale articles, which then getting to the farm gate means that there's also that large increase. And maybe somebody has already contracted out a price for that, and now their retailers come to them saying, hey, that price has gone up so much, I can't lose that much. Again, you have to look at the terms of that contract, but that may not be covered by a force majeure. So you really do have to take some initiative and look at that contract, make sure you understand what's in it to know whether that's a valid excuse or not. While I have you here, let's talk about the governor recently signing House Bill 172 into law. That's fireworks legislation that represents a compromise between the legislature and the governor's office. Why did this legislation happen? So for a number of years, we've had legislation that was attempting to legalize in some way or another fireworks for consumers to use. And, you know, admittedly, Ohioans have always been under this legal scheme where we where you kind of lie, right? Because you buy fireworks and then you sign this paper that says you're going to remove them from the state within 48 hours. We all know if we live in our truth that that's not happening for most people that are that are buying them. And so there were a lot of um, legislators, there's a lot of people who really criticized that forced to lie law um, and wanted to come up with some sort of remedy that kind of recognized both sides of the issue. There's the safety issue uh, on the one side, but then there's the concern on the other side that everybody's doing it and a lot of other states have legalized it already. And so maybe it would be safer if we put in some legalization, but put some guardrails on it. You call it a lie. I call it a fib. Uh, we'll just <laughs> Semantics. Yes, for sure. What's in this bill? So this is effective on July 1st, 2022. So don't run out and do this right yet. But um, it allows individuals to buy and possess consumer grade fireworks in Ohio. So you no longer are going to sign that paper that says I'm going to transport out in 48 hours. Um, you can possess them and discharge them on your own property on certain days. So this isn't a free-for-all, but New Year's Day, Lunar New Year, Cinco de Mayo, Memorial Day weekend, Juneteenth, July 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and then the weekends around Labor Day, Diwali, and New Year's Eve. Those are the days that it'll be legal to let off those consumer-grade fireworks. One caveat is, though, that your local governments can make the choice to restrict dates and times or to ban fireworks altogether within their jurisdiction. So it's something that your commissioners, your city council, your township could take an action on. That's Leah Curtis, Policy Counsel with Ohio Farm Bureau. Find out more about any of these topics with the Legal with Leah podcast at ohiofarmbureau.org. Our Ohio Weekly continues after this. For farmers and small business owners looking for quality, affordable health care for themselves and employees, the Ohio Farm Bureau Health Benefits Plan may be your solution. The plan is available for employers with fewer than 100 employees and sole proprietors who have employees, are headquartered in Ohio, and operate within the farm-to-fork sector. To learn more about qualifications and plan details, visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. A quality, affordable health care option. 
Visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. Ohio Farm Bureau has teamed up with Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Ohio to offer health insurance options, typically reserved for larger employers, to Ohio agribusinesses with 1 to 50 employees. The Ohio Farm Bureau Health Benefits Plan can provide you significant savings and quality health insurance benefits for your employees. For more information, eligibility, and competitive rates, visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org or call 800-937-4567. Brad, let me introduce you to one of the most important people in Peytonville. Is she the mayor? No, insurance agent. She must be really good. The best. That's why she chooses Nationwide to help protect all the families, businesses, and dreams in Peytonville. People really count on her. Seems like she's a local celebrity. She's a local legend. Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company and Affiliates, Columbus, Ohio. Farm Bureau Bank has built its entire existence around the lifestyle and needs of farmers. They're here to help grow traditions, give back to agricultural communities, and offer financial convenience for your unique way of life. Visit farmbureau.bank or call one of their personal bankers today, 800-492-3276 to learn more. That's farmbureau.bank or 800-492-3276. From sunup to sundown, Farm Bureau Bank is committed to serving you. With more than 300,000 horses in Ohio, the economic impact of the equine industry in the state is valued at $2.8 billion. Much of that value comes from the standard bred horse owners, breeders, trainers, and drivers who participate in the sport of harness racing in the Buckeye State, all supported by the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. Since 1953, the mission of the OHHA is to preserve, protect, promote, and serve the entire standard bred industry in Ohio and beyond. And the relationship between OHHA membership and Ohio's agriculture is undeniable. The farmers provide feed, bedding, and stables for the horses, and in turn those amazingly fast four-legged athletes provide a major draw to Ohio's county fairs, bringing revenue to our rural communities. OHHA membership has its privileges. Members reap the benefits of having a strong voice for shaping statewide policies, receive continuous industry education, and valuable information in OHHA newsletters and magazines. Check out OHHA.com to find out how the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association is making great strides for you. That's OHHA.com. Before I started working as a soil scientist. Before I became a systems engineer. Before I got started in aerospace. I was a kid making discoveries. I did my first lab experiment. I found out science is cool. In 4-H. In 4-H. In 4-H. You never know when a spark will ignite the imagination and open up a world of possibilities for a young person. That's why 4-H has taken on the commitment of fostering one million new scientists and engineers for America's future workforce. With the help of companies and universities around the country, 4-H is growing the next generation of great thinkers. One million new scientists. One million new ideas. Learn more and see how you can help at 4-H.org. Thank you for listening to Our Ohio Weekly on great stations all across the state, like WHIZ, 1240 a.m. in Zanesville, WNCO, 1340 a.m. in Ashland, WSRW in Chillicothe, 106.5 FM, and WNKN, Cincinnati-Dayton, 105.9 FM, and of course our flagship, 
for our Ohio Weekly, 610 WTVN in Columbus. I'm Ty Higgins. If you're a farmer or agritourism entrepreneur, you're going to want to know about the American Farm Trail app, something new being designed by the American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture. Its executive director, Daniel Malloy, joins us this week. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ty. Great to be with you. Agritourism has grown over the past 10 years and really continues to be a huge part of agriculture as a whole. It certainly is. And it it is uh, another way that farmers and ranchers can add revenue to their operations. And for us at the American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture, we think that agritourism is a terrific way to teach kids and adults about where their food comes from and who grows it, how they grow it, and why they grow it that way. One of the hardest parts of agritourism is getting the word out about what you do on the farm, about events you might be having at the farm. So this app really designed to give those farmers and entrepreneurs a leg up. It absolutely is. We see the American Farm Trail app as a way to help farmers and ranchers market themselves uh, to, the, to the general public, to families looking for a great experience for them, for their kids. We also see it as a way to teach folks um, about agriculture, about farming, uh, because we will also be linking um, all of our resources that we have that teach about agriculture and farming uh, with the app as well. So the app will be able to give you a fantastic in-person experience on a farm and then supplement that with our additional educational resources. You mentioned uh, it's very consumer-based, as is agritourism, as it should be. But uh, there's a lot of that education that needs to happen to those entrepreneurs and to those farmers as well about exactly how to you know, get word about those events out there and actually how to run events and make them educational, make them worth the trip. Right. This app is going to help those farmers and ranchers uh, expand their reach to a much wider audience. With this being a national uh, app in focus, uh, that means that folks who are vacationing in another state, in an area where they might not be uh, familiar with the, the surroundings and the different farms and opportunities, this gives those farmers and ranchers the opportunity to reach those folks and to Uh, reach people in a way that maybe they never really uh, thought of or understood before. So we're here to make it easy for them uh, to reach new markets and to get those people onto their farms. No pun intended. This is starting from the ground up, a brand new app. And obviously that takes a lot of help and a lot of input from, from those farmers across the country. What are you doing to reach out to them to let them know they can be a part of this? We are spreading the word in any way we can. And absolutely, this is definitely a from the ground up uh, app. We are still in in the phase of getting sites signed up for the app. They can do that very easily by visiting farmtrailapp.com. We have a very simple, uh, quick and easy way for them to sign up for the app. And then we will be following up with them and we hope to launch Uh, sometime in the coming year. And then, of course, consumers can get involved, and I imagine it's going to be on every platform imaginable. Absolutely. We're going to make sure that uh, American Farm Trail app is available to everyone through their app stores or wherever they uh, purchase or get their apps, even though the app will be free for everyone. 
As soon as it's launched, we'll let you know. You can visit the uh, American Farm Trail app on your iPhone or on your Android and get out there and enjoy uh, everything farmers do across the country all year long. Daniel Malloy, Executive Director of the American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ty. Before we wrap things up this week, a couple of notes. The 2022 Ohio County Fairs schedule has been released. Uh, Just a couple of weeks into winter, but I can't help but already start thinking about spring and summer and those county fairs happening all across the state. Get a full list, a schedule, at the Ohio Department of Agriculture's website at agri.ohio.gov. And speaking of the American Farm Bureau, their annual convention is coming up in Atlanta I'll be down there talking with keynote speakers and President Zippy Duval about some of the things that are on the minds of American Farm Bureau members in Ohio and across the country and some of the things being looked at in Washington, D.C. as we begin 2022 with legislators getting back to work inside the Beltway. Our Ohio Weekly is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side and produced by Ohio Farm Bureau. Working together for Ohio farmers to advance agriculture and strengthen our communities. Be sure to visit Our Ohio Weekly's podcast page to listen to previous episodes at ofbf.org slash Our Ohio Weekly. Appreciate you listening. Have a great rest of the weekend. I'm Ty Higgins. We'll see you down the road.